Today's episode of the Gone Fission Nuclear Report is brought to you by Floor. We're building a better world. Welcome to the Gone Fission Nuclear Report, your one-stop source for all the latest news from the Department of Energy's Environmental Management Program. Now, here's your host, Michael Butler. Hello, and welcome to the Gone Fission Nuclear Report. Today is Monday, September 11th. We're covering all the news from the Department of Energy's Environmental Management Program across the country. We thank our friends at Fluor for being presenting sponsor for today's episode. DOE's environmental cleanup is a small world. When it comes down to it, there are only a handful of major U.S. companies who are leading the cleanup of DOE sites around the country. You can count them on two hands. In many cases, they've teamed up with each other to clean up dozens of contaminated sites that roughly equal the size of Delaware and Rhode Island. Though they are few in number, they have a big job. EM Director of Communications, Eric Oles, described the challenge in a recent Gone Fishing interview. If you look at it holistically, um, for about three decades, really more than 30 years now, you know, the EM program has really tackled one of the largest cleanup efforts in, in the world. In fact, it likely is the largest cleanup project in the world. And, and that project has really been to address the legacy of decades of nuclear weapons production and government-sponsored nuclear research. And EM's had its fair share of challenges over its history, but we've also realized tremendous success, as you've pointed out. And if you really think about it, you know, we've cleaned and closed major weapons sites across the country. We, we built the nation's first geologic repository. Um, we built complex one-of-a-kind facilities for tre treating different kinds of waste. Um, and we safely demolished some of the largest and most complex buildings in the world. And in really doing that, we've addressed some of our most urgent risks in the overall cleanup, and we've gained incredible experience that we can apply to the future for the cleanup that we have yet to do. Um, you know, this version of EM's 10-year strategic vision really illustrates that the program is really poised for another set of accomplishments in the decades to come. Clearly, environmental cleanup is a big job that demands a highly skilled workforce, qualified subcontractors, a ton of experience, and a management team with a cool hand at the top. Someone who understands the mission, lays out a vision, and inspires those who work for him or her to perform safely and with excellence. In this week's episode, we're going to meet just such a manager. He is Stuart McVean, recently retired president and CEO of Savannah River Nuclear Solutions, or SRNS. SRNS is DOE's lead environmental cleanup contractor at the Savannah River site in South Carolina. When Stuart McVean retired in July of this year, he was the contractor's longest-serving CEO, having been in the president's chair for seven years since 2016. Upon his retirement, Stuart ended a 40-year career in the nuclear industry, most of it spent in environmental cleanup. A floor executive, Stuart articulated his management style in a company video. Um, 
I try to be a transformational leader, or what I would call a transformational leader, setting really high goals, setting really high standards, and then turning the team loose to figure out how to get it done. Um, I, I'm always impressed when teams of people can go much further than I thought that they would be able to get. Uh, and the, the truth of the matter is I've only been disappointed in a team one time, and it's I didn't set out a big enough goal. They convinced me not to go that high, stretch that far, and they blew right past it. I actually don't know where they could have gone to because they, they did so well um, that I was disappointed in myself for setting too, too low of a goal. We'll be back with more after this from Floor. Following his recent retirement and a short vacation, Stuart McVean sat down with me to talk about his four decades in the nuclear industry, the cleanup challenges and accomplishments at Savannah River and around the DOE complex, and his plans for the future. We're talking now with uh, Stuart McVean. Uh, Stuart is the recently retired uh, president of Savannah River Nuclear Solutions, uh, the environmental cleanup contractor at the Savannah River site. Uh, it's a post he held uh, for seven years, is the longest serving uh, uh, CEO in that position uh, since 2016. Uh, hello, Stuart, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mike. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're, we're happy to have you here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your early career um, when you started out in the nuclear industry. Uh, uh, your bio shows that you've been in the industry for about 40 years. Uh, which is a, a good length of time and uh, uh, much of that in the environmental uh, cleanup uh, arena. Uh, if you think about the 80s, uh, when you would have started, uh, uh, that decade was bookended by a passage of the CERCLA Act in, uh, in 1980, uh, which was one of the most uh, stringent environmental laws that we have uh, on the books in this country. And then the decade ended with the creation of the uh, DOE Environmental Management uh, Group, uh, which uh, now is involved in cleanup of all the uh, DOE sites. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you started in the industry and maybe how you've seen the environmental cleanup industry change over that 40-year period? Oh, yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, so actually what got me into it was as I was interviewing uh, at the tail end of uh, college, you know, my senior year of, of uh, school, um, the uh, Navy uh, was doing a lot of recruiting and uh, happened to be one of the uh, outfits that I sat and talked with um, at college uh, about what the, the future uh, post-graduation looked like. Uh, and they were offering some really good programs at the time. Um, you know, I'm not sure everybody remembers, but that was the Reagan era. And, uh, you know, it was going to be the 600 uh, ship Navy, you know, we're going to do the big buildup. And so they needed a lot of help and support in the shipyards. And they were offering the equivalent of a nuclear engineering uh, master's program uh, for all intents and purposes. If, if you joined the, as a government employee and went to work at the Navy shipyard. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, that was kind of the, the best deal. They were offering good money and they were offering uh, continuing education. And so it seemed like it was going to be a, a really good opportunity. So 
uh, I went to work at Norfolk Naval Shipyard down in Portsmouth and um, served there for about three years uh, in the nuclear test engineering program. That's actually what got me into the nuclear business. Um, and um, once uh, once I got done there, uh, I was looking around uh, trying to decide, do I go commercial with nuclear power or do I do something else? And this uh, opportunity in environmental cleanup came up before there was even an opera, uh, environmental cleanup program uh, recognized uh, because it had started it in some places in the country. Um, and so I moved up to West Valley, New York, right outside Buffalo, uh, and uh, worked there for, for quite a few years um, and uh, made that decision based on the commercial nuclear uh, industry wasn't doing all that great uh, at that time. And it was uh, beginning to look like that was going to be the end of the nuclear industry. Um, turns out, you know, we've had the renaissance and things are coming back. Uh, but at the time, uh, environmental cleanup looked like it was going to be the best opportunity uh, for a career. Um, and so that's that's where I went off to, to go work. Uh, and, of course, you know, in the late 80s, uh, 1989 is when things really got hopping. Uh, in the environmental cleanup program with the establishment of environmental management. And, um, you know, it's been a good, strong program ever since. Um, CERCLA was probably one of the, the best laws that this country's put in place in terms of making sure that, uh, you know, we give back to the environment, uh, you know, what we're taking away from it. And uh, chemical cleanup uh, was one of the main issues. Um, you know, a lot of people look at nuclear and, and uh, worry about the radioisotopics that, you uh, we need to worry about uh, nuclear materials, but the reality is uh, the chemicals uh, that were used uh, over the, and its legacy uh, over the years of the uh, weapons programs were actually one of the biggest uh, concerns. So CERCLA, RECRA, you know, all those uh, hazardous waste uh, cleanup um, laws that were put into place in terms of what you do and how you do it uh, really made a big difference, I think, and it's one of the things that we've really focused on. Uh, over the decades that I've been in this business. Well, the Navy uh, certainly launched a lot of great careers uh, for people in the nuclear industry, and uh, uh, it's uh, obviously served you very well over the years. Uh, you just retired as a president of uh, Savannah River Nuclear Solutions. Uh, uh, we mentioned uh, the lead environmental contractor for DOE at Savannah River, and you were the longest-serving uh, CEO that the uh, that the uh, SRNS has had uh, during its contract. Um, how big are the cleanup challenges at Savannah River? And how do you feel that uh, SRNS is doing in meeting those challenges? Well, we've actually done a tremendous amount of cleanup and given back a lot of land uh, with no controls back over to the uh, federal government. Uh, when you look at you know what occurred back during uh, ARRA days uh, back in you know the early 2010s, um, you know significant progress was made there to uh, decommission and clean up a number of different facilities, and we continue to make really good progress uh, while I was out there. Mostly uh, focused on uh, groundwater, uh, ground contamination, making sure that we were staying on top of that. Um, cleaning up uh, some of the, the biggest challenges we had out there uh, during the, the seven years I was there was cleaning up ash, uh, coal ash piles uh, in the runoff uh, from those. Now, that's not to say we didn't have our big nuclear challenges. You know, we got 235F out there that we've been focused on. We've been shutting down F&H Lab, 
that sits right up against F Canyon. So we still got some big nuclear facilities that uh, need to be dealt with, uh, and we're making some really good progress there. But I would tell you that the biggest challenge uh, that um, DOE is going to have at Savannah River site is finishing up the mission for the big operating plants, the production plants that are currently operating, and uh, and then going into the deactivation, decommissioning those large scale facilities. Um, so when you look at H Canyon, DWPF, Salt Stone, um, you know those facilities are large. They've still got a lot of uh, mission ahead of them. And then there's, uh, you know, a decade of cleanup to uh, to mothball those plants uh, and take them out of service. So that's a pretty significant challenge there for their site. That's not to say that there aren't plenty of other things. There's still groundwater to, to uh, treat and uh, control and monitor. Uh, so there's, there's plenty of issues still left to be dealt with there. But I think uh, closure of those big plants is going to be the next big challenge for the department. You uh, you obviously have been focused uh, on Savannah River, but uh, from your position, you have your eye on the rest of the complex as well. Uh, how do you think the environmental cleanup program is going across the board uh, in, in, in uh, all the DOE sites? Is, is EM doing a good job? Is, it, is the job getting done, in your opinion? Yeah, I think we're making really good progress as an industry. Um, and dealing with those things that can be dealt with and then rolling the uh, budget and funding uh, over into the more difficult and challenging uh, issues. It, you know, at the end of the day, the final, I'd say, three places that are going to have the biggest challenges, Savannah River, Hanford, and Idaho to a lesser extent uh, out there with uh, IWTU operations, for instance, you know, these are big, difficult plants to operate uh, to be able to deal with high-level waste. And uh, I think we made really good progress to get to the point where Savannah River is, is up and has a fully integrated uh, system. IWTU, last night I knew, was, was up and operational, so we're starting to make good headway in Idaho. And uh, Hanford, you know, has started their treatment processes. You know, I, I think, you know, Hanford's going to be the longest uh, by a long shot. I mean, it's got the biggest amount of volume of waste, uh, as well as um, the vitrification plant's not uh, up and operational for the high-level end of that uh, business. But I think it, overall, the industry's made tremendous progress. They've been able to move forward and deal with legacy issues. Uh, and a lot of sites been shut down. You know, when you look at the scorecard, a lot of facilities have been knocked down or mothballed and, and put aside and are done and uh, behind us. And now legacy management is, is monitoring those sites long term. So I think they've made really good progress uh, in the decades that I've been in this business. When you uh, announced your uh, plans for retirement in July, uh, you sent a letter uh, to the employees. Uh, and in that letter, you uh, said that you had originally thought you would have a two-year stint as a CEO. Uh, and that, of course, turned into more like seven years. Uh, but you also uh, you called your time as CEO the most humbling and gratifying of your career. Uh, what did you mean by that? So what I uh, really meant by that was uh, it was just inspiring uh, to watch the capability of the organization get things done, uh, whether it was environmental cleanup side of the business, whether it was site services and making sure the tenants had everything they needed to run in the big nuclear facilities and always coming up with some 
new innovation <clears throat> that would reduce cost and, and shorten life cycles of how we ran those plants. We made really good progress, and it came from all the good ideas that uh, the, the folks that I worked with out there had. And it was just amazing the number of kinds of concepts and ideas that could come up with to make things happen. And so that's really what I meant by that. It was just, it was just great to be their voice and to be able to speak, speak to the rest of the industry about the progress and capability that they brought to the table. Yeah, when you uh, read uh, something like that, it sure uh, sends a message that you uh, seem to have a lot of respect for your workforce there. Well, I mean, in the big scheme of things, you know, we wouldn't get things done without all the folks that are there. And uh, it was just um, pretty inspiring, to be honest with you, to work with them. Let's talk about your management style uh, for a minute. Uh, we played a clip uh, earlier in this episode uh, in which you said uh, you view yourself as a transformational leader uh, who sets high goals and high standards uh, and then turns the team loose to get the job done. Uh, is that your management style? It sure is. Um, <clears throat> I've, um, I've only been disappointed once in, in my career uh, with setting targets or, or goals uh, for an organization, when, you know, once I got to the point of not just worried about my own performance, but worried about performance of, of different teams. Uh, and it was when I let them talk me down from something I thought they could do. Um, and then they went blowing by it so fast. Um, I just, you know, was chagrined uh, that they snookered me into the, to the lower bar. Uh, and I, so I've always been pretty tough, uh, you know, when I talk to, my organization's about let's make sure we're reaching high enough uh, because it's amazing once you set those really big, hairy goals, uh, what people can figure out how to, to, to uh, make happen. Um, so I've always been pleased by that. Um, this organization out at SRNS is, is no different. Um, you know, just set some really uh, big, audacious goals and they go get it. And it was really uh, a lot of fun. Well, we know uh, that uh, safety is a big priority uh, in all the DOE cleanup sites, and Savannah River is certainly no exception. Uh, in 2020, uh, you uh, received the distinction of being named a CEO who gets it uh, by Safety and Health magazine. Uh, and most uh, DOE contractor CEOs uh, have a story about an early event in their career that uh, kind of shaped their view about safety and, and how they carried out safety programs uh, throughout their career. Uh, uh, what's your story? Do you have one uh, about something that happened early in your career regarding safety? Yeah, so um, I would start my answer by saying that, you know, I, I grew up in an era where I think people thought stuff happens. Uh, and it's just part and parcel of, doing construction activities or, or operating plants that uh, things that occur that uh, folks get hurt and you just have to deal with that. And uh, so I grew up in an environment where, where that was the norm. And um, I had uh, an individual right at uh, shift change one day uh, that was walking down a flight of stairs that um, tripped and fell uh, down the stairs. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily a work related accident, but it was a on premises accident. And we, and we, you know, recorded that, 
because it, it occurred uh, in the facilities. And uh, she was pretty severely hurt, um, had a number of broken bones from falling down the stairs. Uh, and it took about six months to get her back to work. And um, I realized that, uh, you know, if I had just had a rule in place that said, I want you to um, use the elevator, or if I'd had a rule that said, um, let's use the change rooms downstairs instead of upstairs, um, then that injury may not have occurred. And as I started thinking about that and broadening that out to, uh, well, what happens every day at these facilities? And when people are working, is there anything that we can do uh, either from the behavioral side or facility condition side? Uh, it could improve uh, our lives uh, and, and our lives and make it so that, you know, people go home the same way that they came in and that we ought to get to the point of just not accepting. It's kind of that big, hairy goal concept. You know, let's just get to the point of nobody gets hurt uh, mm -hmm. and, and let's have that be the goal. I think a lot of us in the industry have gone through that. Um, you know, we all have a story like that to tell. Um, you know, it's it, yeah, each one of them is a little bit different. But I think all of us in the industry, if you talk to all of the presidents or CEOs of these uh, big um, limited license uh, companies, it's uh, limited liability companies. Sorry, I just flipped back to my UK. Uh, language um, the uh, that uh, we all have gotten to the point where we just need to say we're not going to accept uh, injuries and um, so I was blessed with a team that that was willing to take that on we we actually hit 27 million safe work hours which was uh, phenomenal um, in that time frame and uh, here at Savannah River Nuclear Solutions um, and so you know, over the years, uh, that has just become a part of the mantra of nobody gets hurt. Let's uh, all go home at the end of the day. And so that just became, you know, kind of that chant, that mantra that I use it all the time with all the teams. It was the first thing I ever said to a new organization that I walked into is uh, let's let's make that one of our uh, basic tenants. Well, you mentioned uh, your UK language there and your response. Uh, uh, let's talk about that for just a minute. Uh, you, you were, uh, that's part of your experience uh, working in the United Kingdom at the Sellafield plant. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And what was your role there? What did you do at Sellafield? Yeah. So I was um, in charge of the uh, Thorpe and Magnox reprocessing facilities. So those are the two uh, large scale. Uh, reprocessing facilities for two different kinds of, of uh, materials um, over there, um, spent nuclear fuel. And, um, you know, that's actually what, what my big history is, is, is running large-scale facilities, uh, whether it's starting up vitrification facilities or whether it's uh, running reprocessing facilities. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to run some very large-scale production facilities, and so that's what I went over to the U.K. to do. Um, was to be the executive director for uh, reprocessing for smart fuel. Do you, do you have any comparisons uh, about how working in the UK in the nuclear industry is versus in the US? Uh, are they similar? Are there big differences? There's a big difference in, in terms of regulatory environment, uh, huge difference. Um, you know, over there, um, what they do is they say, okay, here's your license conditions. How are you going to meet those? Uh, and then you get to establish how are you going to go meet those uh, regulatory requirements, license conditions. And then they challenge you 
whether you were staying in compliance with your own set of rules. Uh, over here, you get told how to do things uh, an awful lot. Uh, I actually think the regulatory environment over there uh, has a lot to offer uh, here in the U.S. I think um, establishing for yourself what your ground rules are going to be and then complying with those uh, can actually provide for a lot more opportunity um, to uh, accelerate work activities uh, compared to you're going to be very prescriptive about how you do it. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, you know, it, each has its pros and cons, but um, I found them to be uh, very interesting to work within a different set uh, over there in the UK. You're known uh, for being a community leader uh, in the communities where you serve. Uh, uh, during your tenure uh, there at uh, SRNS, uh, you were recognized by the Aiken Chamber of Commerce as the Man of the Year. And SRNS received uh, other accolades uh, for community involvement uh, under your watch. Uh, how important is community involvement and community support in the success of the cleanup mission? And how would you rate that support uh, in the uh, Aiken Augusta area? So it's very important. I think, you know, as corporate um, leaders uh, in a in a community, you, you've got to be out there talking with folks. They're they're very interested in what you're doing and how you're doing it. They're interested in what it means to them from a business community standpoint, uh, and they want to see uh, folks are willing to give back to their communities. Um, so, yes, I always took that as a very important uh, element of um, you, you know the company's responsibility uh, to the area. Um, I think that, that you can see community support. Uh, in, in all these facilities in the industry and you know, across the United States. I, I think the community support that we've got here in Aiken and uh, Augusta area, CSRA, uh, is probably one of the best. If you look at the South Carolina regulatory environment uh, and you look at the support we've got from the community here, it is really strong. Uh, and it makes a big difference. You know, when you go to, to D.C. and they talk about knowing personally uh, the folks from your community that are up there talking about what's important to them and how the site fits into what's important to them. Uh, I think it makes a difference with legislators, uh, with uh, the Department of Energy. Um, they, you know, they, they appreciate uh, when a community really supports the activities that they've got going on. Um, it's a really good, strong partnership. Um, so I, I think, you know, community is, is uh, really important. And it's one of those things that you know, we constantly were talking to folks about giving back to the community. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a unique uh, at Savannah River. When you had the uh, the site was formed by uh, really um, taking over some of the existing towns that were in the area, there it was kind of an acrimonious start for the uh, construction of the site uh, uh, in terms of community relations. But uh, it's turned out to be an area that has very strong support, and uh, the site has benefited from that over the years. That sure has. Um, one of the biggest uh, long-term challenges uh, for environmental management uh, in the cleanup mission is uh, workforce development. Uh, there's a lot of uh, concern about uh, the work, number of workers that are retiring, uh, losing that experience and that knowledge base. Uh, 
uh, due to retirement. Uh, how serious do you think that challenge is? And and what are some of the things that uh, uh, are being done at Savannah River and that you think should be done uh, to ensure that there is a workforce available in the long term? So it's one of the significant challenges for, you know, pretty well every industry in the United States. I mean, I, you know, this retirement wave that we're going through and the shifting of, of people and the mobility that people have today compared to what they did, you know, back you know, a few decades ago when everything was about pensions, um, you know, th- things have changed. And so the environment uh, has changed. And I think what's important is that we change along with it. We have to change that business paradigm about what kind of a model do we use on recruitment and hiring and retention uh, of folks that are going to be able to operate these uh, facilities for decades to come yet. I mean, we're, we're a long way from being done. Uh, And I think it's important that, you know, we bring on the next generation. If you go back to 2016 timeframe, everybody was talking about silver tsunami and, uh, the retirement cliff. And um, at the time, there was a lot of um, flavor of being victimized. Um, you know, oh my gosh, you know, it's the end of the world. Uh, you know, we're not, we're going to lose everybody that's got all this knowledge. Um, and, you know, so I think one of the challenges we had in the industry is let's step past that. Let's, let's start doing something about that. Let's change the way we approach it and the way we think about it. Um, and, you know, Savannah River Nuclear Solutions in particular, but I think a lot of other contractors as well, have changed that paradigm about how they recruit. Uh, we spend a lot of time uh, out in, uh, in the community and regionally recruiting. We've set up pipelines that are much more developed. We've got apprenticeship programs um, that are much more uh, adaptive to the needs of, of the sites. Uh, and then you move into knowledge transfer. So you've got to then be able to transfer that knowledge from the folks that are retiring uh, over into the next generation. We've been very successful at bringing retirees back uh, on a, at least a part-time basis or filling slots on some of these teams that we've got um, where they can then train uh, the new folks that have been brought in. Uh, and it's make it, making a real difference. So um, is, is there a little bit of loss of corporate memory? Of course there is, um, you know, and we have to go rebuild that every now and again. But in the big scheme of things, we've done uh, a lot of really uh, innovative uh, changes to the way we're approaching um, the workforce and, and having the right workforce available uh, to do these uh, tough jobs uh, going into the next couple of decades. Uh, Stuart, from uh, from where I sit, from my perspective, uh, you're still a young man with uh, years to go. Uh, I'm wondering what made you decide to retire at this time and uh, what were the factors that went into your decision? Well, the truth of the matter is I'm quite a bit uh, older than I think a lot of people think, uh, number one. Uh, number two, I'm actually quite a bit past where I thought I was going to retire. Uh, my dad retired early and then died at a, at a pretty early age and wasn't able to take advantage of retirement. And uh, so my goal has been to retire uh, earlier than, than I'm actually retiring. Um, but it also seemed like it was a good time. Um, you know, we've, we've just last year gotten a five-year extension uh, to the contract for Savannah River Nuclear Solutions. Um, they've got time to really uh, build kind of the next wave, next legacy. I wasn't going to ride it to the to the end of that. And so it just felt like it was a good time to be able to 
move out, uh, let new folks come in and, and start to take over and, and build uh, what they think uh, the company needs to look like uh, to ride out the rest of this contract period, you know, this next four years uh, or so. Um, and it, and it, it then make the opportunities for others uh, as the cascade or, or domino effect goes down in the organization. Everybody moves up a little bit and uh, gets new opportunities. And so those new ideas, new concepts, I think just uh, lends itself. Uh, you know, seven years is kind of a long time. I'm not sure whether that was good or bad. A lot of stability there for the time period that I was there. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, change is good. Uh, moving uh, on and, and having new folks come into different positions and getting that kind of fresh thought, fresh ideas, uh, idea, you know, that that's the same for me as, as for anybody else. Well, uh, let me ask you this. What's next for Stuart McBean? Um, you, 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 are you are done done, as we say in the D&D world, or can we expect to see you back in another uh, environmental cleanup role soon? Or do you have other plans or interests like starting a business or maybe running for office? Well, so, you know, that's that's a tough question just a month into uh, retirement. Of course, everybody's got to deal with that. Um, it, so right at the moment, I have to admit, I'm just decompressing. I'm taking some time off and, and uh, really uh, just taking care of some stuff that's uh, been on the sidelines now for a long time. Uh, enjoying my grandkids. I'm, I'm getting ready to go do some stuff with my grandkids that I'm um, really looking forward to. Um, the... Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm up for a role uh, permanently. I've had lots of phone calls, I can tell you that, uh, about what that might look like. Um, but for right at the moment, I'm, I'm going to take care of uh, all the stuff that I've got built up behind me for uh, all these years that I haven't been able to take into account um, and uh, enjoy that. So at least in the short term, I'm going to take a little bit of a time out and and uh, just enjoy not having to go to work every day. Well, let me ask you this uh, finally. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, you've been in a position uh, most recently uh, leading thousands of employees in a, in a hazardous uh, industry, and you've done that over several decades. Uh, uh, what would you like for people to say about Stuart McBean when, when they remember you in the future? Well, from the customer standpoint, Department of Energy standpoint, I, I hope what they say is he's a guy that uh, they could count on to get things done. Uh, and from the employees of the organizations that I've uh, worked with, uh, I hope that they say that was a guy that we could count on uh, to watch out for us and make sure that we had what we needed to get the job done. I, I, uh, I hope everybody has a, a positive uh, view of, of what I've done over the years. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, I've, I've tried really hard to do uh, good by everybody, uh, whether it's the customers or the employees, and tried really hard to, to make sure that that would be my legacy. Stuart McVean, uh, recently retired uh, president of uh, Savannah River Nuclear Solutions and a 40-year player uh, in the nuclear industry and environmental cleanup uh, Thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Today's episode of the Gone Fission Nuclear Report is brought to you by Floor. We're building a better world.